Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. It's no secret, man. Your parents pray long and hard that your children drive you insane. My father calls me up. I can get him drums. What do you want to know? Can I get him drums? Yeah, pick his brothers up a set of bagpipes. That way my wife and I can just river dance our way to the loony bin. My mother doesn't even hide it anymore. I'll call her in the middle of the afternoon. Mom, these kids are driving me nuts. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My dad calls me up late at night just to laugh at me. Tell me again how your boys wash the car with your Armani jacket. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> Tell me how your boys love hitting rocks with your new set of irons. <laughs> That's too bad. Because <laughs> they like the sparks. <laughs> Tell me how your boys have lost every tool you've ever purchased. <laughs> No, son, the doctor just told me two more grandkids. I get off of Prozac altogether. Well, happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. I know Father's Day can be a day of mixed emotions, depending on your relationship with your father or lack thereof. But we do want to celebrate fathers today. Um, because they're really important. You know, I listened to that a while ago. Ashley and I were driving on vacation. I was laughing so hard when I heard that because I come from a household of four boys. Um, one uh, daughter and four boys. That's, um, I have three brothers. And uh, <laughs> my dad, luckily, has not called me up to laugh at me yet. But Malachi is poetic justice. I will tell you that right now. But, you know, before we get into that, it is Father's Day, but, you know, this church actually 18 years ago got a father of sorts, a, a new father, father that's taking care of this church. It's Pastor Gill. Can everyone please give Pastor Gill a hand? It is his 18th anniversary at this church, 2000, right? Father's Day year 2000. We have a picture. We just wanted to embarrass you. So, hey, you look pretty good. Well, you look good now, too. Ashley, you look great. I don't know. That's Sadie. Aw, Sadie. We miss Sadie. But, yes, so thank you. We have a great pastor here who's taking care of this church for 18 years, good and bad. Amen, good and bad. Well, I'm a father. If some of you do not know, my son, his name is Malachi. I have a son and a daughter, and... Um, we have a picture of Malachi we're going to show you. This, we went to a Father's Day celebration at his school, Donuts with Dad. So that was pretty cool. Now, Malachi, um, he's taught me a few things. Seriously, he's taught me a few things. The main thing he's taught me is patience. Has anyone else been taught patience by their children in the room? Can we give? Yes. He has taught me enormous patience. You know, I never knew how much I quite needed patience. Until Malachi entered my life. Now, he's an amazing kid. I love his personality. I mean, how can you not love that smile? 
but he has energy, as everyone likes to say. And um, he definitely tests my patience for sure. Um, recently, he tested my patience in a particularly um, amusing way. Um, <clears throat> my wife calls me on the phone, and she says, um, I got to tell you something. And whenever it starts that way, you know, you're like, ah, great. What did he do? I mean, I just say that, you know, <laughs> what did he do? And, um, well, Malachi decided that the house was dirty and it needed a shower because, you know, when something's dirty, it needs a shower, right? So he proceeded to grab the hose and, man, it would have been awesome if he would have cleaned, like, the siding or something like that, you know? Like, that's on my to-do list anyway. But, no, he opened the door, came inside, and gave our kitchen a shower because I guess it was super dirty and Malachi knew that it needed a shower. So I needed patience in that moment, you know, and definitely Ashley did too. And maybe you have similar stories with your children if you have them and people who have future children, just wait. It comes. The day does come and it's, it's awesome. Now, seriously, <laughs> um, we all have needs. You know, I need patience, for sure, but I have a lot of other needs as well. Actually, my body needs many, many things. God's actually designed my body to understand what I need, alert me to what I need, and then after alerting me to what I need, to motivate me to satisfy that need. You know, think about thirst. When you get thirsty, there's a process that happens in your body through receptors throughout your bloodstream and in your, in your body that sends signals to your brain, which then begins the process of creating the subjective feeling of thirst within you. And it will increase that thirst until you satisfy that thirst. You find a way to satisfy the need. We're created that way. We have basic needs. We have fundamental needs like thirst and hunger and sleep. We have higher order needs like acceptance and community and love. We have needs like learning. We have needs like discovery. Like we are just one big needy machine. We have a lot of needs that we have in our lives. And what's amazing is that in each case, God has intricately designed our bodies to become aware of that need, to alert us to that need, and then to motivate us to fulfill that need. I mean, it's amazing. Imagine if God didn't do that. Imagine if you didn't feel thirst. That would be pretty bad. You actually wouldn't survive very long if you didn't feel thirst. And you know, as you move up a kind of hierarchy of needs, you know, we get into some spiritual needs, some emotional needs, because the emotional and the spiritual, it's very difficult to separate those two things. Really, here at Grace Crossing, we don't think you can. 
Our bodies are so intermixed and, and intertangled with our souls as it's supposed to be. We are souls with a body that our physical needs in many ways represent our spiritual needs, our emotional needs. Actually, you can find every single um, of your basic need for thirst and food and rest. You can find a, a, an analogy in the Bible for your soul. Needing water spiritual water or food, some kind of sustenance or rest. We are bodies with needs, and that's a good thing. That's how God designed us to be. God designed us to be needy. You know, we're in a series called Grace Crossing. I mean, Grace, well, the church is called Grace Crossing, Grace Anatomy. And in, in this series, we're talking about how God design the church like he designed the body. See, our bodies are the tools, the representation, the physical structure that our soul uses to interact with the world. In the same way, the church, it's the physical structure. It's the representation, the physical representation of Christ on earth, infilled, indwelled, housing his Holy Spirit. And that spirit controls, that spirit guides, that spirit motivates, that spirit moves. And the church is the body of Christ, the physical representation of Christ on this earth, inhabited, empowered by his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. See, we're all a part of this body. Even though we are separate, even though we are distinct, even though we are individuals with individual passions and giftings, with individual desires, with individual experiences, with individual relationships, we are all distinct, and yet at the same time, we form a functional unit. That is to obey the Spirit. And this functional unit, just like the body, just like your physical body, has needs. Now, even our souls, right, they have needs. Every single one of us have needs, but it's amazing how little we admit that. It's amazing that we go around in our lives pretending or acting and putting on a face that we don't have needs. It would be as if someone in the desert was dying of thirst and someone came to them with a cold water said, nah, bro, I'm good. I don't need that. No, clearly you do. You're dying of thirst. There's something happening inside. No, 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 no. And we look at that and we think, man, that's ridiculous. And yet we walk around many times refusing to let anybody in, refusing to acknowledge our own neediness, and yet we want everyone to need us. Maybe not everyone. 
all right? I will say, I don't really want everyone needing me, but we like to be needed. We want to be wanted. And yet, we are not oftentimes willing to be vulnerable, to open up, and to acknowledge that, yes, we do have limitations, and yes, we do have needs. Because the very reality of a need is that it's something that must be satisfied outside of ourselves. You can't satisfy thirst internally. You have to go to a source that can give you that. And those basic needs cannot be satisfied without something external. It's the same thing for our emotional needs. It's the same thing for our spiritual needs. It's the same thing for our relational needs. And see, we're, Paul wrote to this church in Corinth, this highly skilled church, this church that on the outside, maybe they looked like it had it all together, and yet on the inside, there was chaos. And on the inside, there were so many deficiencies. And there are so many issues that were going on internally within this church and this apostle who loved this church, who started this church, he wanted to help them and correct these issues. And there was one particular issue from which all the other issues flowed. And it was this lack of unity that was within the church. See, the church started to separate into cliques. It started to separate into different groups. And these groups began to put space in between each other. Often groups would be associated with some leader or they'd be associated with someone who was really rich and well-to-do, someone who was a good speaker, someone who had a lot of talent. And people would attach their identity and their spirituality to a person, to a personality, a human, flawed, limited personality instead of to the eternal God. And what this began to do is it began to create fissures within the church and it separated and it divided people and there was no alignment See, Jesus made the church in his image, God in his image. And who is God? God is one God in three persons, eternally in relationship and aligned in spirit, aligned in values, aligned in mission. And when the church is not reflecting the, the God who made it, then there, become, there are pathologies that follow, diseases, issues, patterns of thinking that become corrupt. And this is exactly what was happening in this Corinthian church. And one thing in particular is there are two sides of what I call the need coin that were happening. The first side was a side that said, I don't need you. I am self-sufficient. Okay. Good on my own. You need me, but I don't need you. You might need me, but I definitely don't need you. And then the other side, they of this coin, they began to think, I am not needed. Nobody needs me. I don't have purpose. I don't have value. 
I'm not needed. I can't fulfill anything. And what you have are these two sides, really, of the same core issue, this denial of the reality that every single one of us exists in a needy state. Moving in and out of a place where we need to begin to satisfy, to bring balance into our bodies, into our souls. And we live in relationship with one another in a reciprocal relationship. Meaning at times, one person has needs that another person fulfills. And then the next day, the roles can be reversed. Where another person, the person that just fulfilled that need, they can now have their needs met. And what's beginning to happen is there's this huge divide within the church creating a lack of alignment, creating a lack of unity. And when the church is not unified and when the church is not aligned, then the mission of God is not accomplished. And you know, one of the best ways, really almost one of the only ways to truly become aligned and connected with someone is for them to know you. And not just know facts about you, but to know you and know your story. And the only way that we can actually have people know our stories is when we are willing to tell them and when we are willing to be vulnerable about our needs. Because we all have them. So there's this first group of people and they're saying, I don't need you. You see Paul mention them in verse 21. He says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This hierarchy began to develop within the church. And my guess, my intuition, my experience is that this same hierarchy, the same separation, the same distance between individuals within the body of Christ is alive and well today. We may not say it out loud. We, we may not, we, we may not um, go out there and post it on Facebook, or we might, but not actually say it out loud. We might not necessarily... Um, Be clear about it and say it explicitly, but yet think about this. When's the last time you were feeling depressed or down and yet you would not reach out to someone? You knew inside you should, but you didn't do it. The question is why? Why didn't you do it? I'm afraid. Afraid they'll think I'm weak. You are weak. So are they. I don't want to expose my limitations. I'm prideful. I don't want them to not come to me later. I want to be needed. I don't want to need. You know, that same attitude that these people had within the church at Corinth is the same attitude that runs rampant today where all of us, we walk around in these silos, isolated from the other parts of the body, refusing to get the healing power that is available to us because we don't want to talk about our weaknesses. We don't want to expose them. We do not want to be vulnerable because maybe we've been hurt in the past. And I get that. That's legitimate. And yet we walk around with these needs. The problem is the needs don't go away. 
Like when you're thirsty, the solution is not to stop drinking. Because when you stop drinking water, that thirst increases. And it continues to increase until you're at the breaking point and you have to do it or you just pass out. And some of us try to muscle our way out of these needs. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. And what happens inside is we begin to resent people that do have needs and that are willing to talk about them. Or we just respond to everyone else's needs. We never get our own needs met. And eventually we get burned out. There's nothing left in the tank. And we have compassion fatigue. We don't want to take care of anyone else. We don't even want to hear about anyone else's problems. When that happens, there is something screaming inside a need that wants to be met. Because God has designed you and I. Not to be ignorant about our needs. He has given us a facility, a a faculty, a way of understanding that we have needs. Something has been unmet. And that way is through our heart, our emotions, through how we are feeling. See, everything that you feel, there is a reason for it. The reason that you feel a certain way, it's an evaluation. It is something that's being unmet in your life. And when we don't get it in legitimate ways, and the only legitimate way to get our needs met is through a vertical relationship with Christ in a horizontal relationship with his body. When we don't do that, we go to other things. There is a reason you go to drink. Because something inside, this sense of stress, when you're stressed out, there is always a corresponding need. I'm stressed. What's the need? I need rest. I need some kind of, some kind of order in my life. When everything is chaos inside, the order is needed. Order is needed. When you're confused, what you need, the, the, the corollary or or the thing that will fulfill that need when you're confused is clarity. When you can't see past yourself, what you need is someone who can offer you perspective. When you're sad, what you need is you need someone to come in and you have to grieve and have someone come in and listen and hear that grieving. When you're angry, it means you need justice. Something has been done that is wrong to you, and you either either need perspective to help you understand that that thing that was done, I'm blowing it out of proportion, or you need someone to come in and say, I'm with you, I care about you, I know that there's not justice in this world at times, but God will ultimately get justice, and I'm here now with you, and we're going to be okay. We'll walk through this together. When we're lonely and isolated, we don't need Jack Daniels. Unless you have a friend actually named Jack Daniels, then you may need Jack Daniels or Jim Beam. I don't know why they're all named. Or choose your whatever, your poison, okay? And and drinking in moderation. I'm, I'm not talking about that, okay? But when we're lonely, we don't need the self-medicating, numbing things that we do, either a substance 
or an illicit relationship or an addictive habit. You don't need to binge watch Netflix for 24 hours. Netflix is awesome. But when we're isolated and we're lonely, we need companionship. We need someone who will be there with us. And I have found that of the two sides of the coin, and maybe it's just because of the place that we're in and Beaver Creek and, you know, the socioeconomic status of this entire um, city, whatever it is, th- there are differences when you go to different places and cultures, all right? I don't know what it is, but what I found here is that most of us are on this side of the coin. We're not super happy about being vulnerable and talking about our needs, but we will respond when someone needs something. But, but the thing is, we may not have the resources to do it because we actually haven't gotten our needs met ourselves. I've been there. I've had compassion fatigue. I've been angry. I've not wanted to respond to some of your texts, if I'm totally honest. And it's not because I don't care about you. It's not because I don't love you. It's because I had times where I did not get my needs met. And I drove myself into the ground. When you're tired, you need rest. And when you ignore that, and you ignore it, and you push to the side, you will crash. It's like ignoring thirst or ignoring hunger or ignoring your need for sleep. It's not going to go well. And see, God has provided the body of Christ to heal itself. God has provided the body to come in and bring what is needed. And it's amazing that we have this resource through the Holy Spirit and through his body. We have this amazing resource here available to us, but we reject it. We don't want it, so we turn to other things. We all have needs. We cannot escape this. And when you look at the other side of this coin, When we start saying, I am not needed, we lose value. We lose our sense of worth. We lose our sense of understanding that God has made us in his image, glorious, amazing, and beautiful, intricate, and great. And we start to see ourselves as garbage. We start to see ourselves and define ourselves maybe by what someone else things that we really shouldn't be listening to in the first place. Or maybe by what the culture says ourselves. Well, newsflash, they've been photoshopped heavily. And we start to look to these things, anything to help us feel better, more fulfilled, because we need purpose. That is a deep need within our hearts to feel worth and value and purpose, to feel acceptance. You know, if you're feeling rejected and when you're feeling 
worthless? You don't need a romance novel. Those are great. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't read them very much. But you need a person. You need some time with God. You need a person who can bring value. Because if we could just give ourselves value, wouldn't we do it? If we could just turn the switch on, and maybe you can. Man, I don't know. I think you're lying, but I can't. If we could just make ourselves happy, we would just turn the switch on. But that's not how God designed us. He designed us to be in relationship. And when we are feeling a lack of acceptance, we don't need to go to other things. We have to go to the body of Christ, to Christ first, and know he does accept you. Yes, that's why he died for the cross, on the cross for you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't have gone through what he did for you. So you know that Christ loves you. Get this knowledge. And then the body of Christ comes in around to help you. But if you will not reveal it, then nobody can help you. And what happens is we start to get in the cycling side where we feel unworthy, not valued. Our needs aren't worthy of attention. And we can't give anyone else. And we start to feel worthless because we can't provide for what someone else needs. But that's not the reality. We can't. God has designed us. He's given certain, uh, certain relationships. He's given us places within the body of Christ that we can actually begin to use our skills, our experiences, everything God has given us to help someone else. Your experiences are not wasted. They can be used to provide for someone else's need. When someone else is down, then you can come in and you can help them. When your daughter is feeling rejected from that boyfriend, who broke up with her, and she doesn't feel loved, and you told her that this would happen because you saw in him what you had seen in previous people in your life, relationships you'd been in, but she didn't listen, and she went ahead and dated this guy you knew she shouldn't have dated, and then she's brokenhearted when she comes to you. You have two choices. You can say, I told you so, you can bring condemnation. You can say you should have known better. I raised you different than that. And then she just gets beaten down because she doesn't need a lecture at that point. She needs a mom or a dad who loves her unconditionally, accepts her, gives her grace and forgiveness, comes around her and says, yep, that's awful. We're going to figure this out. He, he, he didn't deserve you anyway. Or... You have those two choices. You can respond to her to provide for what she needs and to fulfill your purpose of being needed. We get into this idea that because we don't have maybe as much money as we want, and we're always comparing ourselves, or because we don't have all the different things we want, we, we start to feel all down on ourselves, and we start to act like, oh, man, I'm not needed. Nobody needs me. Nobody cares. I have no purpose. And then when that begins to happen in our lives, we're, we're telling God who created us that he did something wrong in creating us. 
like the pot, you know, saying to the potter, you know, the clay saying to the potter that, you know, you shouldn't have done this. We start treating God with contempt and we start letting bitterness grow in our life, but, but the reality is that all these parts are necessary. We need each other. There's a part in 1 Corinthians 12, 22 through 24. It's actually in the message version, so it's the second one. Guys, it says, as a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. This is right off the heels of someone saying, I don't need you. The hand doesn't need the body. This works the other way. The lower part, the more basic, therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but you can't live without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body, you're concerned with it. It makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed or higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher parts. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Man, I love that line. The point is that every single one of us are intimately connected within the body of Christ. If we belong to Christ, we're intimately connected, and therefore we are necessary. We are needed. There are people that need us, that need us to be there. And if we're going to be there, then we have to have our needs met. We have to be willing to step out in grace and to be vulnerable. Now, I want to give you an example of what this actually looks like. From actually a story of my own father, a story he told. He actually retired this year, and he tells a story about someone who came to him at a very difficult part of his life and gave him what he needed and how deeply this impacted him when it happened. Really, it changed his life. I'm going to let him tell you the story. shaping in my life and it's really not an Edward story you've heard Claude Claus's name mentioned here again and again and again and I was just thinking about this as my friend was was mentioned and all these other friends Ray and Don and every you guys are just but when I was a kid I we, we hadn't been married long maybe a year I finished college and I went to work for uh, Papa Claus Claude Claus and uh, as a youth pastor in Arlington Virginia actually I was a youth in music can you imagine that? Youth and music. I directed the choir as well as led the, uh, the youth ministry there. Um, and uh, I was doing a really bad job. I was, really, I was really lousy at what I did because I didn't have the kind of work ethic that I needed. And one day, Papa Qualls took me into his office and absolutely reamed me out. I don't know if that's a word that I could say here. I don't know exactly all that it means, but let's just say whatever it means, I experienced it on that day. And I went back to my office and I sat down and I put my head on my desk and I said, you just, you're an idiot. I was mad at everybody. Mostly mad at yourself. You know how you get in those circumstances. You're mad at who you are. And um, so 
I, I was sitting there. I was trying to figure out how I was going to write my resignation letter. I was going to certainly resignate, resign from that church. I resigned from ministry, resigned from everything. I just I was, felt such a failure. And I sat in there uh, thinking about all that, and there was a knock on my door. And Papa Claus came into my office. And he knelt down besides my dad. He had a shoeshine box in his hand. <laughs> and he knelt down beside my desk, and he polished my shoes. He was my hero. He was the man of God that I thought was closest to God of anybody. He was not the best preacher I'd ever heard, but he was the best pastor I'd ever seen. And for that man to say, you know, what goes through your heart is, don't do this. You can't do this. Come on. I should be polishing your shoes. But what he was trying to say to me is, son, I love you. And if you can listen to somebody that loves you, you can succeed in life. And I learned from him. And I... And, and I grew from that point and began, and it was really a turning point for me because I was headed down a bad path, a path of destruction. And that man of God on his knees saved me. So there's three characters in this. There's my dad who has a deep need. There's a pastor who had to speak the truth to him. And there's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to that pastor, pastor calls, and he speaks to him. And he says, you have someone that has a need that has to be met, and I want you to meet it. And so he takes that shoe shine box, and he humbles himself, and in doing so, changes the very trajectory of a life. I've been there. I've been there. I know what it's like to feel like an idiot. To feel dumb and stupid and worthless. And in those moments, I have an option. I can listen to the voice that tells me that's the case. The judge who will condemn me no matter what I do. Or I can listen to my father. I can listen to my heavenly father who says, I loved you enough to send my son. I can listen to my earthly father who I reach out to now and he responds and he says, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm never not going to be here for you. I can listen to my father-in-law who so many times has reached out when I've been on his heart. I can't thank you enough, dad. When I've been down and he sensed it and he knew it. And I've started doing something new recently. I've started to reach out myself and actually let people know. And maybe that's something you need to do today. What voice are you listening to? Because if you listen to people who love you, you will succeed in life. If you listen to your father, if you listen to the body of Christ that he's brought around you, the good people in your life 
not the people who are destructive. Get them out of your life. The good people in your life, when you listen to people that love you, you trust, that makes all the difference in the world. It changes your life. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.